Welcome back to 64, a chess podcast. I'm your host, David, coming at you live, as always, from the great state of Illinois. Joining me on the podcast today, one-time colleague of mine and several-time opponent across the world, best known as the Ginger GM. Today, he comes to the podcast to share stories and uh, catch up. So please welcome to the show, Grandmaster Simon Williams. Hey, how you doing, David? Nice to be on your show. Thank you for the invite. Uh, I first sent the invite, I want to say maybe well over <laughs> a year ago, and then uh, I'm a little bit slow sometimes, <laughs> you know. So. I, I think it's. I think we're like equally at fault because yeah. there. We, I think we fully had an episode scheduled in like June 2022, and then I just forgot to reach out, and it never happened. And then, of course, I saw you in Berlin last month for the Armageddon series. And that was a lot of fun to, you know, spend some time with you in Berlin. And uh, now we're here. Yeah, it's good. Good good to be here and fi- finally get a podcast done. So, yeah, let's do it. First thing I wanted to ask you about is that, uh, you know, we're about halfway into this year and it still seems like your game in uh, the Reykjavik Open in this uh, F3 slob, I still think is probably the contender for game of the year. So have you uh, have you spoken about this game at all with anyone? Um, not, not too much. No, I mean, I did a, I did a YouTube video on it on uh, my my YouTube channel, uh, and that's about it, really. Um, so yeah, this is the game I played in Reykjavik with the white pieces, and um, it was yeah, it was it was an interesting game, quite an interesting opening, and um, obviously had all, all the things that people like, you know, the queen sacrifice, the pieces flying pieces burning on the board all, all, those, all those things so it was it was fun to play um I, I mean I honestly don't know if it's game of the year um there's probably other great games out there it's nice to even think it's a contender uh for game of the year that 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 just does me well enough just just being a contender to be honest yeah well there are two questions I want to ask you first of all you've been involved with internet chess for a very long time uh as far as i know you're like one of the pioneers really of internet chess i mean there are some other guys too but you i know you've been doing this like for a very long time so does it kind of shock you now that in 2023 we have like viral chess games not really <laughs> i mean it, it it is rather crazy um how things have developed um and yeah I, I guess i've been around since since the start pretty much i mean i'm 43 and you know always been involved with chess pretty much trying to make a bit of a living uh teaching in schools i did that for a while that was before the internet was that popular i was on the internet chess club the og the icc of, oh yeah icc I, I have an icc account actually everyone must have an icc <laughs> account even if they don't use it it's just part, yeah. part of the process and um yeah and um you know with, with stuff like videos and streaming it it, it was really a way to start with to try and make a bit of money and to do something I enjoyed doing and um you know I I I guess the streamers I know who were out there from the start was who I knew well um was Fiona obviously Fiona Shetter and um the chess bras as well they were they were the sort of first people who, who got involved there might have been obviously other people I'm probably going to forget those names like you've got Jerry of course but I, I never chess really network knew yeah yeah chess network but I never really knew chess network but of course he's amazing absolutely brilliant what he does uh as as most people are in their own way 
Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a bit more like Wild West when I started. I mean, like, I can remember many matches where me and Aman, you know, we'd play shot chess on the stream, got absolutely, absolutely obliterated off the board. And, yeah, it was a bit <laughs> embarrassing, actually, looking back. But, you know, I, I dare I dare to consider doing those things nowadays. It's a bit more, uh, a bit more refined, I suppose. So, But it's it's been very interesting, the evolution of chess um, over... Uh, the last 20, you know, 20, 20 odd years, I suppose. It's been absolutely crazy, really, to think about it. I think it's really cool to see, you know, so many high level online events today that like a lot of people are watching. Like just yesterday, I'm currently at a conference in my university. And just yesterday, somebody came up to me and actually asked me about my podcast, but then it was telling me that they were watching like, you know, all these tournaments of this year, like, you know, Norway chess and stuff like that. And I think that's great because... That was that just wasn't happening even like five years ago. Well, it was just me. So I I'm I'm like a big fan of that. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I I think um with any um developments um if throughout history and, and not just chess, there comes positive and negatives, right? I mean, uh there's there's gonna be good things and bad things, and uh, the same the same goes with chess, and we've got to probably concentrate on the positives more than the negatives and Obviously, you know, the ability now to to watch tournaments live anywhere is ridiculous. And, and not just that, but I, I think people take it for granted that they can watch their favorite players play with their favorite commentators live and, you know, for free. And the idea that this is 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 doable is is just is, is kind of ridiculous. If you think back like 30 years, you know, people would just uh, not not conceive this even, I, I would assume. And, the way that people got information about tournament games and the way people looked at games was, you know, it was completely, completely a different world. So, so that's great. You know, the access to information. And I think that's something that technology has given us in general, right? Information very, very quickly and very accessibly. And that, that goes with, you know, poker with, with everything, right. Um, You know, obviously in chess, the good thing about chess is it's quite pure. So when you watch a chess game, the information is pure. It's not distorted. But obviously, if you get news quickly, you know, it can be completely distorted and you can't really tell what's right and wrong. So there's something nice and innocent about chess as well like that. It's it's a pure, pure game. I mean, these kind of productions that people do, I think most importantly, aside from all, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff, you need a good commentary crew. And I know you've been doing commentary for many, many years. Uh, I also met Jovenka for the first time. Well, actually, second time, but I first really got to know her in Berlin last month. Um, and you guys are, as far as I'm concerned, like cream of the crop in terms of chess commentary. Um, but a lot has been said, of, of course, about, you know, the busy traveling life of a chess professional. I'm sure, you know, you can talk about that as well. But not much is really said about the busy life of a chess commentator and the, the places you have to go so i know that you are a good bounce you bounce from the uk to berlin norway so i was wondering if you could maybe for for the audience like uh shine a little light onto what your like uh career as a commentator looks like in terms of just travel and logistics and stuff like that because i think it's really interesting yeah i mean i suppose it is quite a kind of similar to being a um a player in a lot of ways it's a bit of an it can be a bit of a nomad kind of existence and uh, I think when you're young, that that's fantastic, right? You want to see the world. You want to you want to go from place to place, see as many cities, meet as many people as you can. But as you start to get a bit old and grumpy, like me, <laughs> you, you quite like being at home, you know. So actually, the the traveling around from 
place to place it's it's uh it's not as attractive as it used to be to be you know completely honest but it's it depends you know like you saw berlin was fantastic um lovely people and it depends it really depends who you're working with um as much as where you are probably more much more so so if you're around nice people then it's it's always going to be okay and uh you know i i generally just do berlin and norway now um so work for the champions chess tour and world chess and um they're they're both great companies so it's it's good so i enjoy i enjoy doing that and i get enough time at home as well so it's not i'm it's not like i'm traveling all the time um but for example i know yvanka she's traveling a lot more so she she's going she's in singapore at the moment she's going from place to place and i think the other thing is uh, you know there's much more competition in commentary now so I, i started off doing the gibraltar competition and i was just commentating there about eight years in a row and there wasn't many other commentators around and, and now you have like so many great commentators you know uh, and not just that but different commentators for different styles so you know some people might like my commentary some people might really not like my commentary and prefer something completely different so you've got commentary for you know different people out there so there's more competition so i, I think you know the thing that one of the things to bear in mind is how, how long do things last for you've got to try to do do as much as you can while 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 the work is there is is another sort of thought process for the uninformed i mean it's actually it's been 2 months since i've recorded an episode i've taken a taken quite a hiatus but uh, i was in berlin as well for the world chess uh the armageddon series it was, it was the women's week and i learned a lot about the behind the scenes of the chess world like uh, you know actually it's one thing to see your gotham chess video on a tournament but it's another thing to like be at a tournament and kind of see like how people like you know what happens after uh round is over where some of the players come like to the bar and like you know like i had some conversation with elizabeth pates and uh like sarah Cottom. and i that's something that really opened my eyes because i actually remember i think you were talking with sarah Cottom about gibraltar and just talk, you're just sharing some stories and all that and, and what i you know i i just felt like a total outsider and it and so one thing I just wanted to say is that I, I actually I really appreciated spending time with you and, and Yvanka because I, I really feel like I learned a lot about how the chess world works and I've seen the dedication and all the time you've put in to like not just the game but also like you know developing a good culture for you know more people coming into it and so um yeah I thought that was really cool so well uh, thanks <laughs> i really yeah, know I mean, where that was going to be honest but no no it's cool no no thank you i, I know i mean it's great it's great to have you there and um i i suppose i suppose it is a bit of a mystery uh the chess world maybe from a lot of people like listening to this podcast who maybe just got into chess you know they kind of look at top players or or you know i'm, I'm not a top player you know um you know top 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 and um they're like you know kind of you know sort of celebrity status but you know at the end of the day everyone's just human and everyone's pretty much the same right you know that we've all got our we've all got our issues strengths and weaknesses and uh you know we like we like having a cocktail as well whether you're 2800 or you're like you know 1800 we still enjoy yeah. a cocktail at the bar you know it, it's just like um i suppose the 2800s will probably not have the cocktail until the work's done but the 1800s might have the cocktail sometimes before the work's done actually that's probably really unfair right that's really unfair to say that but I'm the dedication of the top guys you know is obviously saying that makes them stand out from uh other people you know uh, and I'm again not talking about myself but the really top players so yeah yeah I think also 
you know, watching certain, like, let's say Hikaru and um, Magnus, like their streams, for example, where you, or I remember with the, the Han stuff, like, I'm, I'm not talking about whether he's a cheater or not, but I remember like that summer 2020, seeing some clip of Nepomniachi, like, you know, kind of accusing him of being a cheater. So like, what I'm trying to say here is, I feel like a lot of the exposure people get to the interpersonal relationships between players is very much like drama. It's drama because of like of the tip top, like you're saying. But like for example, um, at this tournament that we both did, Bibi Sara, Asubayeva, and Elizabeth Pace were both there, and among others, but they had just played that women's grand prix. And there I don't know if you followed this, but there was some drama between yeah. Bibi Sara and and everybody else because she said she signed some open letter and then said, Oh, actually, I didn't. So when I came to this tournament, I was kind of wondering like. Oh, maybe there's going to be some drama there, or whatever. But there's nothing. They're just professionals. You know, they go, they play their games each. They sit in the same room. There's that, you know, because they must have been in the same spaces for like so many years already. And I guess BBSR is quite young, but I think the point still stands. Like it goes a lot beyond like these kinds of short episodes and making it onto chess base or chess.com news or whatever. But it's yeah. it, it it you know I imagine you know a lot of people at Chess World for like you know twenty years like Yovanka you've known since you guys are both kids right so like that's yeah. very different for people to just speculate about oh Simon Yovanka didn't have great chemistry today I don't no one says that but like for example um, but then the reality is it's a much more rich and uh, you know socialized yeah, I mean, world yeah I mean, agreed I mean I I think again you know um, in chess and probably just in life you know it's much easier to for people to uh talk and uh discuss like maybe negative things uh, and um like you know like drama like negative drama and to get concentrated that i mean if you just look in the news yeah the news is always pretty much bad and uh, you can hear and and a lot and a lot of it's just like absolute rubbish as well right that you hear but it, you know it, it just uh you know e even what the the press are saying and other people and it can just snowball into like ridiculous things and, it, and it's kind of fun for people at home i guess to not everyone of course but a lot of people want to concentrate on the bad news right and uh you know maybe it's more exciting than the good news but the the you know this hands thing you know you, you mentioned hands i mean there was a massive spike again in popularity of chess after the whole incident and uh maybe this you know bad publicity was really good for chess whatever whatever happened you know um which is kind of a bit sad but it's just it's just like the world we live in, right? I mean, uh, uh, these you know, so you can't pay too much attention to it as well. That's one thing I found. You know, it's very easy to when you're on YouTube or when you're doing this thing, you, you, you know, to look at the comments and let them get you, which a lot of people do. You know, I don't think people realize this. I know that some of the most popular YouTubers, streamers, you know, one comment can 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 really affect them. Um, funnily enough, you know, and you gotta you gotta get that out of your system. Um, you know, talking about that and co just concentrating on the positives, I guess. Try to, yeah. Even with uh, with, with the hot stuff, I mean, I sort of, you know, talking about focusing on the negatives with something like Premier League or NBA or you know one of these huge sports leagues where the players like you know, I guess make so much money and are kind of conditions to like live in a separate bubble, right? Where they're like that stuff doesn't affect them. Like they'll have like a second phone on all of that. That's like. I guess that's one thing, but you know, the chess world, most people are not, you know, they're not living large in the chess world, you know, at least off their chess, you know, you have to find uh, other avenues. I know you have, you know, ginger GM. That's what you found that path and commentary as well as just, you know, winning tournaments. So you have to kind of make your career that way. So I think like 
people kind of speculating on people's careers in the chess world. I I like knowing what I know now, I think it's a lot more like sketchy. And it's I, I like I definitely regret now in hindsight, like, you know, kind of speculating about Hans and stuff like that, because certainly it is good from a you know business perspective, but it, it's just such a small world. And I mean, this poor guy, he had like <laughs> whatever, whether he's a cheater or not, he, he had like the entire world put a microscope onto every little thing about his life for like a good month or two. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I don't know. I couldn't imagine that as a chess player too, not, not Leo Messi. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, you know, just to go on that point, there's a very, it's a very small number of people in chess who actually make good money. Um, and the the majority of people, like 90% more, 95% who actually probably do it professionally or do things around it. You know, they just, they just make normal, normal cash. And they go about their normal lives. I mean, obviously Magnus, Ikaru, and you got like, you know, the streamers like Levy, people like this do fantastically well, you know, for what they've done. Well, well, well done to them. But, you know, I, it's a thing like even if you're playing chess, you know, you, you, even if you're 26, like high 2600, you know, you can't make you can't make a lot of money. Even if you're 2700, uh, which you would have thought, OK, 2700 Grandmaster, they're, they're living the life of luxury. But even 2700s, you know. I don't know, like 40 grand a year can be, you know, it's, uh, it, you have to get to that real elite level before you make, start making stuff. So when you mentioned like hands, um, you know, and all the attention he got, um, it's very, it's very tough, right? Anyone to be thrown into that much attention. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, in some, you know, we could go down that route. We're talking about it. I mean, obviously it's going to be much more news coming out. He did admit to cheating on chess.com, you know, that was, so did he bring it on himself is one thing, but then did he bring on as much as he thought was going to happen onto himself? And it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's very tough. Yeah. But, and, and we'll see some people can deal with it a lot better than other people, you know, just the way people are made. Uh, um, some people just brush it off and other people just won't. And uh, you've got to remember everyone's sort of just individual humans at the, at the end of the day, and you've got to feel for them a bit, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I, I, like just uh, one more example that I just, just thought of was uh, I met Lawrence in Berlin for the first time. And actually, Lawrence, I had reached out to once on uh, on Lee Chess, asking for chess lessons many, many years ago. But his rate was uh, was, a, was a little high for for back then. But uh, you know, Lawrence is a guy that you know a lot of people kind of roast on the internet and say, well, he's a bit of a uh, you know, uh, I don't know the British. The British have much better insults than the Americans, I will say. But you know, I, I know that pe people say like I, Lawrence did the chess boxing thing, and yeah. a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I hope Lawrence gets crushed. He's a uh, well, I, yeah. I we got dinner, and he's like a very, very nice guy. I mean, he, I guess he puts on a bit of a persona for his commentary or whatever. But I, I like, I really enjoyed, you know, just getting to know him a little better. So, I guess, yeah, like, to, to, uh, yeah, hundred percent agree. And uh, I, I think everyone has a bit of persona, right? I mean, especially when they're working. You know, you got, you got to, you got to put on a bit of a show. You got to, you got to do something. You want to do the best job you can, and often you, you know, that is a lot of your personality, but. A lot of time, you know, you are putting on a bit of a show, and um, yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I've known Lawrence for a long time. He's he's really really nice guy, and obviously a lot of stuff that people maybe have had problems with is is part of the show, and and it has brought a lot of attention and and good attention to chess. You know, mm -hmm. I thought the chess boxing was really brave, 
incredibly brave to do that no matter what happened um stuff like his aggro he's had with um uh shahad um have i got that right yeah uh, shahadi, so. yeah yeah greg shahadi, shahadi right yeah yeah again that, i am not a gm yeah <laughs> yeah i mean all that was great for chess right it's really entertaining and uh uh that was that was fun to watch um and you've got to remember lawrence has been one of the again we talk about original people he is one of the original really high level commentators i mean before again going back before a lot of the modern day ones he commentated at the world championships where magnus carlson became world champion in india against anand he was there commentating every day just for tanya uh he did the he's done some major events so he he's he's got a lot a lot of skills as well so but yeah it's very easy for to again go back to that point it's very easy for people to just pick out some negative stuff and and, and, it, and it is a bit like bullying you know uh, sometimes you know you oh, 100 it is it's pretty horrible to see actually and uh i think what was it mike tyson or someone said you know uh just say that to my face <laughs> you know you know when you're behind a computer it, it's like it's in a security isn't it it's like anyone can let out their own demons by taking out on someone else but they never dream of saying that to someone's face because it yeah. probably wouldn't probably wouldn't end very well so on the topic of personas i guess uh you don't actually believe in pushing the uh harry the h pawn outside of your commentary <laughs> Wow, I pushed it, pushed it all my life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> well, you, you were know, Alpha I mean, Zero in that regard before Alpha Zero. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think everything I say is very honest. Um, yeah, and it's maybe when I'm commentating, it's like personification of my, uh, you know, my my character, obviously. Um, but you know, as many sides different people. But yeah, obviously, Harry H. Porn. Um, uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I've always always used it as quite an attacking little little geezer coming down coming down the side and, and he's done me well in the past and uh he's uh you know and it, and it was really it was really weird to see alpha zero then start using it and then all the top players start using it it's like well you know it's you know some players have been pushing it for years yeah <laughs> so well done for catching on 20 years late Al so. alpha simon was doing it 20 years before everybody else should be yeah yeah i think i think someone described me as extremely drunk alpha zero that's a good, <laughs> good, good, good way to sum up the my, my style of play. So yeah, something. Well, like uh, I actually, I've got, I'm gonna order a a trophy that's gonna say uh, was up a night in the pond against Simon Williams. Um, at one point, uh, we don't have to talk about the end of that game, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. um, pub chess is always fun, and when you're relaxing, it's always yeah. always entertaining. So it's, it's yeah, you've got it. It's not, I mean, it, you know. Depends, depends who you are. I mean, it, like you know, you can enjoy chess. You don't have to win. You don't have to improve. You can, you can be like literally eight hundred for your whole life and just enjoy playing. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, it's it's cool. And I, I you know, and I think there is a bit of elitism in chess, which is getting much better now. But there certainly was, uh, and, and which is a pity. You know, um, bit bit snottiness, should we say? And I, and I think it, I think it makes more sense to decide who you hang out with. You know. To do with their personality rather than their elo rating <laughs> so so i know i know a lot of high rated yeah. elo players who i would not want to hang out with <laughs> so uh um but i suppose the other thing is like it's you know if someone's playing in a tournament um and they finish a game and you get uh supporters coming up to them after the game uh they might not want to talk about the game right you know they, it's literally they are in the mindset they you know even if they've won it, but especially if they've lost and if you get low rated players approaching them 
and saying, oh, you know, why didn't you, which I've seen happen. And then, and then you know, the, the higher rates player might be a bit rude to them. And they're like, oh my God, that guy's so rude. <laughs> but it's actually like, you know, you've got to give, you've got to just realize that, you know, to ask the right questions sometimes. Just be, just be like a normal human being, right? I mean, yeah. you know, if someone's mum died, you wouldn't go up to them and go, how's your mum? <laughs> you know, it'd be weird, right? So it's the yeah. same in chess. It's like, just have a bit of common sense, you know? So, yeah, basically. When you were in Reykjavik, you also, I'm sure you, you did, uh, I'm wondering, did you have any kind of situation like that? Because I know you were, you were, I, I wasn't at Reykjavik, but I've heard that there was like a platform where all the live boards like for the streamers were there so people like any of the like D I think Dina and Alex Botez I think were among some of the streamers who were playing at Reykjavik and they got like their own place to stream their games even if they weren't on like a top board like I know like you know Alex Botez is like 2100 so odds of her being on the one of the top boards pretty low after the first couple of rounds but that way she got to stream the whole tournament and get it you know followed by all her fans um but in that same vein I guess I'm wondering like uh do you have any any people kind of come up to you after draws or losses and uh and, and... <laughs> i mean again like 99 of people are just just nice right yeah. you know and uh, i think this goes in chess and outside of chess you know 99 of people you meet you're probably gonna have, you'd be absolutely fine with but you're gonna get one percent who's, who's always gonna be a bit of a wally right <laughs> but you can you can you can you can dodge the wallies normally quite well mm -hmm. um and yeah it was obviously anna crambling as well was streaming there and we we all had our it wasn't on a stage but it was in a nice corner and uh this is again a modern thing which i think is really cool you know i mean the amount of viewers uh that people were getting you know was phenomenal uh so it's helping grow the game and i think most of the streamers as well they they did offer the option to their opponent about having the camera on or not so which i think is a nice thing to do you know you, you know mm -hmm. don't have to be on camera if you don't want to and um generally yeah I, I didn't have any problems if that's if that's you know uh you know the, the original question i mean i had one one fun experience at reykjavik i think it was like another it wasn't this year it was maybe like 10 years ago or something and you know i do i can get very very nervous and, and anxious you know it's a bit of anxiety and uh i was playing this game and there's a big crowd around it of uh you know like 20 30 people and uh, i was playing um 2400 international master um from Denmark and it was a really nice game very unclear but then I saw I had like checkmate in six moves and uh it was all forced and I was um I got so nervous you know I, I probably had too many beers the night before it didn't help the anxiety uh, and um, I started like oh my god I just can't handle the amount of people like watching this is just a bit too much and I'm like god I'm just like you know uh, you know just wise please give me a bit of space it just felt like trapped you know it was, it was like so I actually played the first move of the sequence and I had to get up and just go away from the board because it was just it was just freaking out basically and I went away and I and uh you know I came back and I played the next move won the game and I left the board and you know then one one of the one of the spectators came up to me and he said uh you know he said you were so rude you're the rudest grandmaster I've ever known. You, 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 you played your move. You stood up. You walked away like you owned the building. And actually, on the inside, I'm just freaking out. <laughs> you know, I'm literally having a bit of a panic attack. There's too many people watching, and I need to get some air. So, so, but unfortunately, again, it's perception, right? A lot of things in life are perception. It looked like I was being the arrogant grandmaster, banging out a move, walking around like king you know solomon or something and then coming back and it was like actually it was the opposite so it's again perception is 
can be quite funny at times, right? <laughs> so, yeah. There's no other sport like chess in that regard. Like, if you're watching tennis, you know, if like if Federer was playing Nadal, and then suddenly, literally everybody else at Wimbledon just comes and starts watching the game next to them, like all their other players. Like that happens at chess tournaments. That does not happen with any other sport. Like that's just not that's just not how it works. And especially when you have like you know all these open tournaments and you know a lot of amateurs come into play, that that always kind of makes things interesting. I I remember the first time I played a tournament next to like there's some international master, and I was like, <gasps> like I said international master, like I like I was like. uh I was also like 19 years old, so it's maybe a bit embarrassing. <laughs> but I, you know, I didn't have any exposure to the chess world just to see somebody with like a title next to their name. I was just like, you know, in awe. Um, he's a GM now. His name is Raven Sturt. I remember. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Be kind. That's my message to people for this episode. <laughs> yeah, so it's a good, good, good message. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it is really exciting. I mean, I, I'm not saying having a crowd of players is a bad thing. Is is yeah. you know anything that makes the game more exciting is 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 a good thing but uh you know it can be it can be quite overwhelming as well not just for those of you who are listening and thinking oh, i want to play my first tournament i'm going to be like scared you know i i think a lot of a lot of the other guys get scared as well i mean I, it doesn't seem like the elite players do you know i watch them play and they, they're so used to it now that they they sort of uh, can just get in the zone very quickly but it'd be interesting to know if any of the elite players really suffer from you know some some problems with that which could obviously affect your play quite a lot. So, yeah. I imagine also, though, like the world's elite, like they're not really playing like stuff like Gibraltar anymore. You know, you get maybe no. one of them at a place like that. Um, I wish that there, I wish that like, you know, in a sense, I do wish that more elite players were playing like those kinds of tournaments because I also think it's just, it's it's nice to see that. Um, but it also, I think with the world's elite, most of them start very, very, very young um and got really really good really really fast so probably that whole phase of like playing yeah. around 20 30 spectators they're like eight years old they don't even remember now it's just a bunch of close round robins and yeah it's tournaments <laughs> yeah no I, I i think the other thing with with elite players i mean which is a little little thing i don't i don't really agree with this it, it does seem like the same pool of players are always playing uh, and i uh, you know i don't care if they're the top 10 you know, it seems like it's always you see a tournament and it's like, OK, you've got the same eight players playing. And yet they're the top 10 players or top eight players, maybe. And uh, next tournament, it's the same players. It's the same players. It's the same players. And and it's like, yeah. And I and I kind of and I think even Magnus mentioned this. I mean, he, he mentioned like, look, when he plays the Olympiads, he plays ball one for Norway. He plays 25, 2600 grandmasters. And he's like, look, look, I can't beat these guys easily. You know, these 2500, 2600. They're really good. And, and, you know, especially when I got the black pieces, the difference between these guys and the high 2700s is so little. Uh, and a lot of these players just don't get the opportunity to to actually shine. So I think, I don't know if it's lucky breaks, but getting getting a break, getting in that in that group is is uh, is quite, you know, is quite important um to to try and try and do establish yourself in that group. And I kind of wish there was more uh, more um uh shall we say opportunity for not just the same group of players to always always play so if that makes sense so yeah it does seem like the champions chess tour is is giving that though right like like the way that it works now is not just mm-hmm. closed invites i know last year they kind of teased it but this year there's a lot of these basically any title players can yeah can this, play one this, of these open qualifiers 
yeah, this is 100%, though, I think, the way it should be. At least, at least have qualifiers to to uh, get the players in, um, give, give, give more people a chance to shine, you know, be good. Yeah. Although I guess with over the board... Over the board is probably a little harder with, you know, you, you have to. So I think maybe just organizers should just kind of invite a more diverse range of people. Although that does also mean because, I mean, if you look at just ratings, right, and you, you yeah. know, let's say you bring like two 2500s, Magnus, three 2700s, three 2600s. Yeah. I mean, I mean Magnus nice. is much more likely to win that tournament. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I, 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 I wish it was sometimes these tournaments happen, but I, I don't know if it's always right just to pick the strongest players um people might assume all the strongest players means it will be the most fun tournament but in actual fact you know uh maybe have a crowd vote you could you could let the crowd vote in who their favorite is you know wild card ha have uh you know have a mix of players a youngster have uh, have you know uh whatever you know mix it up a little bit uh it doesn't always just have to be the strongest on elo you could have uh you know a range a range of people there to make it interesting yeah, I think another like example of this is let's say someone like Nihal Sarin, who I guess his FIDE rating is still technically like twenty some by now maybe mid twenty six hundreds. I haven't checked. Yeah, but everybody knows that Nihal is a he's a murderer online, like, and everybody knows how good he is. But because of his rating, he still will have to probably wait a little while longer before he gets those consistent invites. Even though he he probably know he could be at that level already. Yeah, yeah, I mean. I guess if you're young, it will it will it should happen anyway, you know, uh, because you can have many many opportunities. Like uh, Nihal, fantastic player, but I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a fair few strong Indian players now coming through the ranks. It's not just Nihal, uh, that you know, it's it's crazy how many good players there are. It's I can't keep up with it. I honestly can't. I mean, I look at a tournament, someone else has got a 2800 performance or saying, and I've never heard of them. And it's like it's 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 ridiculous how how strong. Um, the new generation is. Is there anyone from this new generation in particular that excites you, like as a chess fan? I mean, there's lots of players who are brilliant. Um, lots of, I mean, like, okay, I mean, you, you know, talking about the Indian players, and I've probably forgotten those. I mean, you look at Gukesh, he seems to be winning everything. You mentioned Nihal, destroys everything online. Prague um, does brilliantly. Uh, Rad, was it Brad Swani? Um, yeah. uh, Ranak, Sadwani. Ranak, yeah. I, I, again, another brilliant. There's just so many of the Indian players who are all very impressive. Uh, and uh, is there any that excite me um, from around the world? Well, I mean, you know, actually, there's, there's um, an English girl. Um, and I suppose it's because, you know, it's always nice to see someone. Uh, from your own country do well isn't it you know if you're supporting mm -hmm. them and there's a young English girl who's seven eight years old eight years old um uh but yeah this the, she she's she's quite exciting I played her in a symbol and uh I I lost to her on time but she she's really really talented and um it'd be cool to have a good English player so Bodhana Siv Anand Dan it seems like if you get Anand in your in your name, then you're probably going to have a good chance of being like a world champion. Just just get Anand somewhere spelt in your name, and you're, you're doing all right. Like Prague, like Bodhana. It's a good good start. So, I got to throw an Anand in my name now. I guess um, just <laughs> change change your middle name. Yeah, you know, David, David Anand. Anand. Yeah, 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 sounds you'd, great. You'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. I think my chess has uh, more pressing issues um, in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand well, that as well. Yeah. yeah. One guy that really excites me is um, Abdusatorov. 
Yeah, another another great play. Yeah, I mean, he has fantastic. like the killer instinct too. That I think the you know, yeah, that's one thing. Maybe the mystique of Magnus will decline now that he's no longer the world champion because he definitely saw definitely. The, this last yeah. tournament already. It, it, I you know I don't want to speculate too much again because of what I have said in my earlier rants, but I I think that the fear of Magnus is starting to go away. I think people are are you know they're they're coming to him with the fight like uh, Caruana like beat him in in Norway chess. Um, Caruana is also an excellent form these days, but you know I'm not sure that that would have happened even like two years ago. That it may, maybe the nerves come in because everybody was scared to lose to Magnus, but now he's just the number one rated guy and yeah, uh yeah so. no, i agree agree i mean um this i mean there's so many players now who, who could be world champion so I, I think to pick out like one or two it, it, it's just so hard to do because obviously everyone's been talking about uh ali razor and he's been the big talk uh you know people saying oh he's definitely the next one but I, I don't think that's really very fair on the other players you know because of course he's a brilliant player but the difference now to 20 years ago is that the gap between the world champion and the next player is is, is so much smaller uh because of uh people's access to the same information and and just learning the talent has been is talent's become less of an issue compared to hard work you know i think in in you know 20 30 years ago maybe more 50 years ago hard a uh, talent was much more important but even then hard work is probably even more important but nowadays it's it's, it's the hard work so the, the the level between like Let's let's say Adi Reza um, and uh, Nordi Beck. You mentioned Nordi Beck. All, all these players, they they could all be world champion. I mean, when I was watching the last Champions Tour, Nordi Beck uh, won uh, won won a brilliant game. I can't remember against who now, but I was watching this game, and the only thing I was thinking is like, this guy's going to be world champion. When I saw this game, I was amazed how he turned it around, and I thought, this guy, this is something special. Um, and he's going to be world champion. And uh, but then I then you know I look at another game and I get the same feeling. I feel oh my god, what an amazing game! This guy's going to be world champion. And by by you know a couple of weeks later, I've got twenty world champions. And it's like there's only so many you can have. So it's so I, I think to pick one person out is so hard because there's so many good players. And going back to Magnus, well, you know for him to come back now and to dominate is going to be very hard. And I, who knows if he even wants to do that at the moment? It's clear he doesn't. He wants to enjoy himself play some poker why not well you know just you know he's, he's allowed to live as well no reason he shouldn't be able to do that and he's he's shown he's one of the most brilliant chess players ever so but for him to come back now is going to be i don't know if it's important it's not impossible but it, uh, will he want to do that i don't i don't think it will happen you know somehow to dominate at least so it's all open to the other players now yeah i, I completely agree with everything you said my, my suspicion is Magnus, I guess, maybe wants to wait for more of this newer generation to break into the top ranks. Because like you said, I mean, a lot of the players in the in the world's elite right now, the top 10, I mean, you know, they've been there for so long. And to some extent, they'll continue getting those invites because, you know, they'll play like two, three tournaments a year. They get a lot of draws. They stay at about the same rating. They go back and, you know, but nothing has really changed. Like if you look at the performance rating, it's probably a lot lower than their actual rating in a, in a calendar year, but they don't move much. Yeah. Um, but now you'll get your Noterbecks and and uh, Prague's and Arjuns and people like that moving through. So maybe Magnus is hoping that, you know, the landscape looks a little different. But on that note, maybe he maybe his, you know, chess career looks very different by then. Because, you know, he, I know that 
you know, chess 24 and play Magnus group or in a completely different place that they once were, maybe the business stuff becomes important in. So I, I, I hope that if he's like waiting for this young talent to prove himself against that, uh, I, I hope he realizes that, you know, he also may not be the the player he once was. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think uh, I, I do I do agree. Um, I I think you got to like with Magnus, you know, you got to hope he for a start he doesn't find a wife not being funny. I mean, it's going to make it really hard for him. And and you mentioned uh, he 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 seems to have lost a bit of interest, right? Because um, he's been the best for so long. And it's clear he's lost interest, right? So if you lose 1% at that level, it's a major, major thing. Uh, you've got to be 110% dedicated. You've got to think about chess the whole time. You've got to work on chess a lot. Magnus was super talented, so he's like a freak. You know, he didn't he didn't work on chess maybe as much as he, he could have done. But I think he, he he's going to have to somehow fall back in love with it again to, to come back. And by that stage, it could be too late. He's always gonna. He's always gonna be like you know. I think he's the best chess player ever. So he's probably always gonna be able to, you know, at least fight for the world championships. But um, it's gonna be tough now for him. But I mean, even a tournament like the candidates. I mean, when Magnus last played the candidates, he got in on a, you know, some sort of a, of a coin flip. He lost to to Svidler, a uh, friend of the podcast, and then Ivanchuk bailed him out, uh, basically in that 2013 round. You know, the candidates is not an easy tournament I mean... to just win. <laughs> 100%. Imagine if he wants to become world champion again. Okay, he gets a place in the candidates. Um, I don't know, is it 12 players, something like in the candidates? Let's say 10, doesn't matter. There's another nine players in the candidates, and they're all they're all 100% dedicated to winning. They all are hungry, hungrier than Magnus because they haven't been world champion, and they're all incredible players. He's got to come above every single one of them and have a perfect tournament to get in the world championships now he might well be the best player but to do that on the day is extremely hard you know even if you are the best player you, you've got to have everything you've got to i don't know if it's luck but you've got to have everything go the right way for you which it did when he qualified in london in that candidates the results went the right way for him he was the best player in some ways you could say he got a, bit, a little bit lucky he deserved it don't get take anything away from that but to do that again even if he's the best player it's going to be so hard to to achieve. I think also, you know, we keep speculating that the, the like the the strategy that Magnus used to keep you know his place on the top was like don't lose with black, you know, go for small positional advantages with white and try to push them. That was what his match strategy always was. He was more than okay with drawing a match. He was more than okay with taking it to rapids where he just you know his pure ability. Yeah. But to win the candidates, I mean, you you need to actually have like fighting ideas with black. You need to have fighting ideas because you you're gonna need those wins. If you just finish at like you know fifty percent, okay, when you're a top player and you only lose like two rating points, that's good enough. Whatever. So Fabi wins a tournament, but you know for the candidates, yeah. I, you know that's that's like well, it'd be very interesting because he would have to change his style to what we're used yeah. to. I mean, we're used to seeing him play world championship matches where he he plays in exactly the same style uh, that you mentioned you know he doesn't give anything away he believes in the long run he will outplay his opponents which is he has done every single time but if he's playing the candidates he will have to change his style um most likely um it's not even clear he will because that maybe that will work but he the other thing you have to remember is he's the best player in the world for a reason and he can change his style you know it's not that he can't play aggressive it's not that he, he can't take risks 
we've seen him do that before uh, and he does that quite often in champions tour so he can do that so it would actually be really exciting because you know we might hopefully he'd play a more aggressive way which he actually you know if you do look at the champions tour he, he plays lots of modern you know the modern against e4 on a regular basis one of the most exciting and most dangerous ways to play um and, and it's really fun to watch him play in that manner and he's still the best in the world trying to play like Macau Tao you know he crushes people uh in in every in every sort of part of the game and that this is why he's just a, a genius right now if other people want to you know modernize their game they I know they can go and I have actually done this they could go to your your site ginger gm i don't know if uh if you've ever plugged this on a podcast before but uh i one thing i really love about about your site is that i get the emails uh that say like oh here's some things you can improve in your games they send me a couple of those every week so if i'm playing chess online and you know i have a opening inaccuracy it just shows me example games i've like improved my chess with this but i know i think you you had mentioned to me to me um in berlin and now also um you mentioned this uh what we were preparing that uh you have some courses out on ginger gm so yeah i mean yeah there's, there's two there's two things i mean there's ginger gm um okay. which i sort of started ages ago um which basically makes instructional uh you know tutorial videos mainly uh where you can learn different things to improve your game um so that's one thing and then i think what you're mentioning there is is g chess something which is a different, different website actually um, to Ginger GM. And um, that's sort of, uh, yeah, it's just very interesting. Um, but that G Chess was also something you did with your one of your, your buddies, right? He, yeah, yeah, I did it with a buddy, uh, Odd Bjorn from Norway. Um, we met at the Crypt Blitz. Uh, basically, everyone I've worked with, uh, including yourself, seems to be seems to be after a session on the beer. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be like how how things work out. I mean, forget about you know meeting someone in the office. It seems to be like you meet someone, you have a couple of beers, you you like you know you, you chill out, and then and then you and then you sort of come up with some ideas. Best best way, right? Certainly yeah. the best way to 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 come up with ideas and enjoy it. Just uh, forget about any office meeting. You know, get get down get down the pub and have a beer, or you know, even a non-alcoholic beer if you don't drink, but just to do it in a chilled environment. Um, but yeah, G Ginger Gym is is going strong. G Chess is going strong, but Chess Chess.com are kind of uh, now in control more of 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 G Chess, so we're not developing as much there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of a bit out of my hands now, G Chess. So that's kind of up to them what they do with it. Um, but Ginger Gym, I'm now concentrating on more so uh so yeah i mean it, it's, it's i suppose it's a bit similar to chessable you know what we try to do there um you know basically uh and yeah just make quality stuff that people can learn from excellent and you have so you have uh, i think a jabava london course out now yeah we've just done a rebooted jabava london um i think i came up with that name actually the jabava london uh you know it was it was like i don't know how many years ago now but I don't know, let's say six years ago. I mean, I didn't come up with the opening by no means, but the two players who were playing it at elite level regularly were um, obviously Jabava and, um, and uh, well, one of my favorite players, um, Richard Report, and um, probably should have been called the Jabava Report variation, really. I think it's um, called that on Leeches, though. I think it's oh, is called it? like, oh, right. yeah. Okay, well, that, that's probably a better name, to be fair um for it it should you know the, the guys should be given a bit of honor and Richard Report's such a fantastic player yeah um he's so, he's so exciting isn't he but yeah that, that's our latest release it's like a 15 hour course that I did with a friend looking at 
all, all, all the ideas you need to play it successfully. I mean, and the good thing about like, you know, the one thing I'd say to people who want to improve at home is, I mean, openings are important. And I think like 99% of people concentrate on the openings and they forget to do any middle game or end game stuff. And like, you know, it's the openings will just get you into the game. They're not going to win the game for you. And I think with openings, it's not, people are now obsessed at all levels about getting an advantage or, you know, playing precise computer chess. And this is kind of like the wrong approach. I think it's like the opening should be something that suits you individually. It's like more should be a, a structured thing for you as an individual. So it should suit your style. You should get into a position that you enjoy playing. You have to work out how much time you've got to dedicate. If you've got like a family, kids, if you've got other things going on, then the Jabava London is perfect because it is very, very easy to learn. It's sound. But if you've got lots of time, you know, and you really like, then maybe you should be playing really sharp E4 stuff where the theory is 30 moves deep, you know, which you don't get in the Jabava London. So you've got to really think about what opening you choose and don't just copy what other people do <laughs> this is the ridiculous thing they're like oh this 2700 grandmaster played this opening it must be good i'm going to play it and I, and also they maybe check on the computer and say oh the computer thinks this is much better than jabbar of london so I, i've got to play this but it, it it might be totally the wrong choice because you're not a 2700 grandmaster you're not going to play like a 2700 grandmaster you've got to go through the other steps before you get there so right it's it's like you know you've got to really think about what you're doing and not just jump in and copy copy you know basically before you you get the right openings or, or right style for you so it's yeah important to do that i do like the jobaba london because it you know the london has this your know, reputation for being very harmless and yeah. jobaba london i think you know especially um i mean i i mean i've seen people win with it at all levels so it's clearly a, a it's clearly a very sound opening but especially like if you're getting started to chess, it like encourages like all the right things. Develop your bishop, develop your knight. I, I, you know, I think that's more. I think that's more important, right? I mean, I think like look, all openings are sound, yeah, pretty much. Unless you play the bomb cloud or you know you like play something ridiculous, like all openings are fine. And, and I've seen this again, like you know, I've seen um, people debating who are like one thousand delo. Understandably, they're like debating is the Karakhan or something a sound opening? Can I play the Karakhan? And it's like, well, if you think about it, they, they're they more likely to blunder a piece like within 10 moves, no matter what they play. So it doesn't matter. But nearly all openings are sound, but it's picking the right opening for you. And as you said, the Jabava London if is a really simple, it's probably the most simple opening to learn. Yeah, You know, you just, then it's certain patterns which go on. You don't have to memorize lots of long lines, but maybe you want to memorize long lines. If you do, it's probably the wrong opening for you. So you've got to like think what you want before you pick an opening. Um, it's important and not many people do that. So they get frustrated or they swap openings, all this kind of thing. Yeah. I always say openings are like clothes, you know, but you still have to, you know, so you can pick out a nice outfit, but what you do at the party is a different story. If you're going to embarrass yourself in a nice suit, you know, well then, why did you put on the nice suit? So, I like that. That's, that's a good analogy. That, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, definitely, so you find definitely. your own, you find your own style, right? But, but like, I, I will say that during the pandemic, like at the worst of it, I spent a lot of time on openings because I had the time. 
Yeah. And so my friends still know that I have some like very insane, ridiculous prep that the, 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 the secret is that I've actually forgotten like half of it, but I played very confidently. So people always think I'm in prep, but um, like what I've been doing with my own chess now is like learning pawn structures. Like I have this book by yeah. Rios the, and I did a chapter in Copenhagen with my friend um, on the French, but it's just looking for the pawn structures I play and trying to actually learn concrete ideas yeah. and like actually studying it. Like I would study in college and that has helped me a lot more but i will also yeah. say that that's you know i think you need to reach a certain level before you're ready for that because if you're not familiar mm -hmm. with different pawn structures 100 yeah i mean i i think again a simple rule is just just learn stuff that interests you so and, and you're going to get better so if you really love openings okay just look at openings but um you know i i would say tactics is probably the most important thing I completely uh, you agree. Know, it's just like if you're going to have one thing that's going to make you better, it's just getting better at tactics. It's as simple as that. And I mean, I I, I always use tactics books, and you got to be patient as well. Like you know, the other thing pe people seem to be lacking patience nowadays in general, because including myself, everything's so quick, everything's so fast. You want immediate results, but if you want to get actually good results, then get a puzzle thing and and don't rush it. You know, if it takes you half an hour to get closer to solving it don't go to the solution don't give up try you know really take your time even if it really frustrates you because you can have that it's put, putting yourself in the same situation you'd be in a game of chess and if you that's a way to get better you know just practice hard puzzles and really spend some quality time on them without cheating without skipping if you get if, if you hate doing that okay then you have to find you have to you know, jazz, jazz it up a little bit but you know puzzles is the way definitely puzzles but this is also like why i i mean i have a lot of respect and affinity for the whole adult improver community and i'm certainly trying to improve but i don't i think to some extent it can become a very much like a self-help culture thing and at the end of the day if you want to get better you do have to do the work and as you get better you're going to have to put in more work so i think naturally everybody you know talent aside everybody has some sort of like limit that they'll reach period like i yeah. i'm not delusional i will never be a grandmaster i will probably never be a master period you know that's like just a lot of time and work that you have to put in it's the time so, it's the time and work more than anything and uh i think uh yeah i mean i i i i do agree that it's it's a bit yeah it's it's just how much work you do at the end of the day that is just the most important thing there's no secret formula um i've heard stories of you know um top grandmasters some of the most famous streamers in the world and or players in the world and they they sometimes get offered a job with like a, a billionaire's son or something like that or a billionaire and, and the billionaire just has these outrageous um expectations of, of getting better they think they can solve you know they can get quick fast results in an hour and that's what they expect as a billionaire but you know it, it doesn't work like that you've got to put a lot of time in I mean, uh, they say, what's it, 10,000 hours to get better at good at anything. Don't fool yourself. Anything that promises you to do it quickly, you can you can get you can get better at quick things. Great. But it's down to you as the individual. And that's another reason why chess is so great. It's you can't blame it on anyone else. It's not a team sport. You can't blame the goalie. You can't you can't you can't pass the blame. It's the blame's all on yourself and the joy. You know, the, the pain and the glory is just on you as the individual. And that's what makes it so great and so painful at the same time. And uh, I mean, I, I I don't do any individual coaching myself. I haven't done for a while. And the reason for that generally is that I don't think it helps. 
Um, uh, That's a hard take. I don't think it helps most people. I think individual coaching can help, but as long as the student does a minimum of like 10, 20 hours with that coach, you know, at least to see any results. And that costs a hell of a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, let's say, I don't know, like $50, let's just say an hour for a, for a, for a good international master or something like that. You know, I think you have to put in at least 10 hours to get anything. I mean, maybe people disagree with this, but it's, you know, that's $500. And now you can get, you know, you can get chessable course $100 on sale, $80. You've got it for your whole life. You've got it one-on-one -on -one individual coach. So it's like, I don't know, I, I'm not I'm not convinced by individual coaching unless you're really committed to it. I know. What do you reckon, David? You you have individual coaching, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I, well, I haven't done it in a while just because I've been busy. I yeah. will say to some extent, I agree. I think because, you know, I, I, I played a lot of music when I was a kid. I, I played piano since I was in the second grade and all that. I played I, I taught myself guitar um and then i had some guitar teachers and i think it's kind of very similar like you can have a teacher sit with you and tell you you're amazing for an hour yeah. and you know look through your weaknesses an hour but then there's the rest of the week i think if your expectation is you know you have a coach that will you know look through your games of the week and say oh you should do this thing more um and you you know and then that's it and then you go and play yeah. blitz for for a week you will never yeah. improve you're wasting I your money I think you've summed it up there, actually. I think that's a much better definition of what, what than what I was trying to say. Yeah, I mean, you can't rely on the coach to play the games of chess for you <laughs> and to get better for you. Yeah. At the end of the day, they can, you know, no matter what they do, it's going to come down to you because you're going to have to do the extra work. You're going to have to play their ideas and, and listen to them and put in the hours. So, may, yeah, so maybe a coach will help you. It will push you in the right direction. Uh, but at the end of the day, it will still come down to you as an individual to 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 actually make the big jumps not the yeah. coach and that's yeah i think good coaches can make stuff like homework and you know you know send pdfs and and uh you know i i know with my coach you know he always sends me puzzles that he finds interesting on whatsapp yeah. it says like oh we'd like to move and that's like free that's just because you know we're, we're, we're homies yeah. and stuff like that but um that that's i think what really separates like the good coaches for for but again you need to be motivated and that's the it's you know, I, I guess this will maybe sound a little elitist, but I'm just going to say it because, you know, it's my podcast. <laughs> but it's, it, you know, it's very easy to get excited about like improvement when you are low rated because the gains come pretty fast. But, you know, yeah. so to go from 800 to 1000 is I think is doable for anybody. But with with each with each next step that you want to take, it just takes more and more and more work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't really dare uh, any, I did this a lot of my podcasts at the beginning, but if I have like some top player, I, I would never like dare ask them anymore. Like, oh, how, so how do you think uh, like uh, a, a person should improve at chess? Because most of these players, like most, I think most grandmasters actually probably don't even remember being bad at chess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you could speak on that. I know you actually, you got the grandmaster title. I think you were like 25, 26, right? 28, 28. 28 yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I think it was an, I am like 17, but then I, sort of went a bit stray went to university and uh just didn't play much chess basically so came back to it a bit later on and uh got it so uh, i mean for me it, it was quite simple it was puzzles um and having some openings that suited me uh and playing over the board um yeah i'm still not convinced how 
blitz chess helps you really um uh, especially used in the wrong way um I mean, that doesn't matter. Maybe you just want to get high blitz rate. Maybe you enjoy playing Brits. I'm not saying it's, it matters, but if you want to, my, my judge of being a better player is how you get on in longer time limits in a in a classical tournament over the board. That'd be like my judge. Um, but maybe yeah, that's going to change soon. You know? I, but I agree with you. This is like the only thing that I, the, the really the only thing that is, a, I, guess we, I guess we're coming full circle this conversation actually, but like, Classical chess, uh, I will always say to people who haven't played classical chess, play it. Even if you're terrible, play it. Spend 30 minutes on a move. Like you, I think at all levels, it feels a lot less superficial than a blitz game or a rapid game. Rapid is kind of somewhere in the middle because you can get those like three-minute things to come up with a cool idea. But it, that's like your one shot. And you see like classical games even like in these fighting draws there are always these like amazing ideas that spring out out of anywhere played or not played and um i i completely agree with you i like it gives me hope that like for example you're at reykjavik and people want to watch your games at reykjavik even your streamer and like you, you're going to be playing three minute blitz normally but people really want to watch you play a classical tournament over a week and they will come watch every single game even if for a few minutes like so i i that i think is exciting but i i mean i would agree with you like People should play more classical, though it does cost a lot of money to sign up for. for yeah, tournaments. yeah, right. It really, yeah, that that that's a problem, especially if you're going to rake of it, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's not it's not a cheap it's not a cheap thing to do. Um, and you know, you might be a younger player, but I I think if you can afford to play, it doesn't have to be Reykjavik anywhere. If you can, uh, I mean, I suppose the problem with the states, which I've never played in, is that there's so many games a day. But if you only have one game a day, the the, the cost actually goes up i mean i've slept in my car at tournaments before you know just uh, stayed in my car the whole the whole time uh done stuff like that um but it's uh yeah i mean the, the the good thing is about you know the classical games is they are so much fun i mean i love blitz i play too much but the way you think in a classical game when you actually have to like go into your mind to a deeper level than you wouldn't be able to in a blitz game and really chunk through the variations it's like you know you're going down the rabbit hole you know you're slipping down the rabbit hole into this brilliant mysterious world which is which is wonderful and you can only get that in a classical game competitive uh, and that's that's really one of the most wonderful experiences i think about chess you know and it's yeah i completely exciting. agree completely agree i mean at the last tournament i played over the board was for 60 minutes each side four games like game yeah. 60 with a short delay like by by game four i was like falling asleep at the board i could like i i spent 30 minutes on the move and half of it was just me taking a nap like i was it's hard work yeah it's, <laughs> it's hard just, just it's hard work it's a lot but yeah. in the same vein like i remember my first like serious like actual classical tournament was in denmark and my very first game i ended up losing but we reached an end game where i had to calculate like some 25 move four sequence in end game it was like pawn here pawn there pawn there just like that and I, yeah. I i calculated the whole thing it all happened in my head and it was ended up being queen versus queen and pawn which i didn't know um i just never had seen that i had never like known yeah. that that was a drawn end game i thought i always thought that was a win so uh when i looked through with my coach you and he was saying you know you could have drawn this game and he taught me the whole technique about how to draw queen versus queen and pawn uh conversely you have to move your king away or something you have to move your queen as far yeah. away from the pawn as possible for the cross checks that's the one 
Yeah. Yeah. So I learned that. But anyway, like I remember like feeling so good that I had done that whole calculation. And it's like you said, it's mysterious. Like you get so deep into your mind. It's like a like like a dream state almost. It is. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, that's if you haven't got that yet and you're listening to this, you know, it's it's better than drugs, you know, go and give it a go, you know, you, you, yeah. You, 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 you and it's all those... natural too. <laughs> yeah, you won't you won't need those edibles anymore. Just play a long game of chess. <laughs> not, not that we get them in England and I, you know, whatever. But no, yeah, just, of course just, that, just, yeah. yeah, just um just like yeah, give it a go. It's 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 amazing, you know. Natural and good for you, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Why not? You know, I mean uh, I, I don't know how much I should comment, but um <laughs> it's fair. I'm sure, I'm sure we've all been there david let's just leave it at that <laughs> yeah we'll leave it at that well i mean drunk chess you know that's uh that's one of the simpler pleasures in life the drunk drunk i think drunk chess is more like blitz like you know in a bar a bit of banter yeah. and a bit of fun i don't think drinking and long thinking works <laughs> and that rhymed that was pretty cool drinking and long thinking it, it, it doesn't really work in chess not for me I, I don't know maybe maybe other people are different but i think the brain doesn't work that way right when you yeah it's, it's it's fun it's great fun but i think it's very hard to get in the zone when 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 you've had alcohol so uh, but i love having a drink after like five seven hour game there's nothing better than just having one beer or one glass of wine because you're so exhausted and it's been it's like your brain is just frazzled so yeah. you need you need to give it some some light relief at that point <laughs> um so yeah i mean it's it's but i mean you know the same as going for a walk you know just getting out and doing something because it's amazing how stressful like a long game of chess can be in, yeah, in quite a absolutely. nice way yeah absolutely i mean especially like when there's money involved too like yeah, it's not talking like you know a hundred dollars like this no. Fabiano Hikaru game in Norway chess, $35,000 game. I mean, that's like yeah, a lot of funny. pressure. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to ask you, I know you told me this. You've never been to New you've never been to the United States. Um, so why not? Well, I made it. I I I, <laughs> I was doing uh for, for the late Bob Long who died in very unfortunate circumstances mm. um was in contact with him he seemed like an absolutely lovely person never had the chance to meet him but i agreed to do um a chat in iowa um for just just i think it's just one day i was doing a chat and um i checked up and uh, it's the old visa thing uh, and basically i heard like oh an esther visa which is just like you don't need to get a working visa if you're doing a one-day chat is is fine uh obviously got that totally wrong uh, and I, I arrived in detroit and uh got got turned around because i was working so that was oh my god you know just like very frustrating and uh um so that 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 was my one experience of trying to go and that's uh, terrible so you had to fly was, all the way back <laughs> yeah I, I waited in i don't know the, the like weird place Detroit airport for eight hours and then got the next flight back and it's quite funny and I was I was um I was marched onto the plane and they take your passport right so and by two armed guards and like we don't have guns in England right so it's like these two armed guards marched me onto the plane and literally all I've done is like I had the wrong visa and I'm doing a chess talk but they marched me onto the plane and they make this big sign before I sit down they're like you have to we have to get your passport so everyone on the planes look at me like i've literally don't know like done some 
don't know, like whatever, think of your worst crime, like, I don't know, liberated many armoured vehicles or something like that. <laughs> and they're thinking like, who the hell is this guy? You know, And I, I look a bit rough because I haven't slept. And then I sit down next to this old lady and she just looks at me and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like what do you say, man? And it's like, oh my God, that, just, uh, that, that, that was my one experience trying to come over. But I'd, I'd love to go back and obviously I can go back. But at the moment, you know, with the travelling, as we mentioned earlier, I go to Norway, go to Berlin, and the rest of the time, I quite like being at home as well, you know. Yeah, so uh, it's like I'm not a great flyer; don't really enjoy flying. So I'm very happy to uh, to you know work when I go abroad and chill when I'm not. But yeah, obviously, I'd love I'd love to go to America at some point. There's many places I like to visit. Definitely, like New Orleans. Um, I don't know. I'd love to go there for some reason. New Orleans, but yeah, I've heard. You know, I, there's I, there's uh, well, there's a famous like national master there. I think Jude Acres is his name, and he like That's in the, the French Quarter. Yeah, he's yeah, like... I've, I've seen his name. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So... I probably wouldn't go there for the chess. I have to say that. I probably go. Yeah, yeah. well, the but food maybe, is incredible. Maybe yeah, I maybe play a bit of chess, but you know. my my housemates here they they went to New Orleans. I had to like bow out last second because of some work stuff, but uh, yeah. they 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 were like they came back said it was like the best food they've ever had and obviously you know yeah. if you're ever in the chicago area uh you yeah. know let me know and uh certainly if i'm in the london area i will let yeah. you know because it's been uh it's really Sounds good yeah you've been one of the nicest people i've i've met in my professional life ever so and i really appreciate you know you, you were very very kind to me in in berlin and uh i'm sure i'm sure i'll see you again Definitely, hundred percent. Very, very kind of you to say that. Thanks, yeah. David. And feelings mutual, of course. And uh, uh, yeah, thank, thank you so much um, for inviting me on. And uh, yeah, good luck, good, good luck to everyone who's listening, if they still are, if I'm put them to sleep yet. And uh, you know, uh, enjoy your chess. And um, that's that's the main thing, really. And push uh, that age one. Of course, get Harry rolling. <laughs> get Harry rolling. rolling. Get Harry rolling. That's what yeah, I got. I got to start saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. And I want to just give mm -hmm. a special shout out to uh, World Chess for uh, for hiring both of us. Right. For this Armageddon series. I mean, ho I hope I'll be back in September. I don't really know yet. Um, didn't make it last month in, in June, but uh, I had it was like one of the most fun weeks ever. Um, so, you know, hope to run it back someday. And uh, certainly also want to just thank the sponsors of the podcast. Uh, Chessable. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, chessable.com slash 64 podcast to uh, check out some of my favorite courses uh simon any last words boring words no no not at all cheers david and thank you for cheers. listening everyone yeah thanks for listening everybody and uh, until next time whenever that is <laughs>